0: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet, a mixed picture for U.S. equities. We have got the Dow lower S&P, NASDAQ. They are both pushing higher right now. The S&P up half a point, 2481, a gain there of less than one-tenth of one percent. The Dow down a point, little change there, 22,116, NASDAQ holding on to a gain of 14 points at 63.97, up by two-tenths of 1%. The 10-year down 7.30 seconds, the yield there 2.28%. Gold down 330 the ounce to 12.58, a drop of three-tenths of 1% while crude oil, West Texas Intermediate, down 7 tenths of 1% to 49.04 a barrel. I'm Charlie Pellett, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. Well, it is 2.48 on Wall Street and 11.48 on the West Coast. The following is from Bloomberg View. Opinions and commentary from Bloomberg columnists.
1: I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. Paul Kagame was re-elected president of Rwanda Friday, with 98.6% of the vote. When this seven-year term ends, he will have been his country's dominant political figure for 30 years, and a new constitution allows him to run for two more terms after that. Developing world presidents who are re-elected with 99% of the vote and stay in office for decades are common enough. We usually call them dictators. Kagame isn't some tin-pot dictator, though. He's the architect of one of the great economic development success stories of the past quarter century. Rwanda's real per capita GDP is three and a half times what it was when he took charge in 1994. Life expectancy is 36 years longer. Still, the man can't be president forever. Maybe his country would be better off if he stopped acting like he was planning to be. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg View. For more Bloomberg opinion and commentary, please go to BloombergView.com. Or view go on the Bloomberg terminal.
0: This has been Bloomberg View. Well, Bloomberg View commentary is going to be heard every weekday at this time and also at 548, 848, and 1148 in the morning on Wall Street. Give me, give me oh, I Keith Richard. Definitely top five all-time rock and roll guitar players. And give me shelter. Good advice when it comes to investing. Uh, Jeff Gunlack, uh, among the most closely followed people in Wall Street, some exclusive comments to Bloomberg to talk about finding shelter in today's market. And in Bloomberg, uh, investing team leader Peggy Collins joins us right now, Peggy. Always a pleasure. Um, uh, give, give me some context for who Gunlack is.
2: So he's considered one of the best bond managers. I don't want to sound like an idiot to all of our
0: listeners who know who he is, but but you know, is is it important?
2: No, it's an important question because we go through the day all the time, seeing headlines and reading these stories, and and on the investing team, we're following him all the time. But he really has become one of the biggest bond managers out there. Um He runs a company called Double Line, and they have they started really with two funds in 2010, one of them being the total return bond fund, Double Line's biggest fund to this day. But over the past 5 Seven years have really kind of expanded into a number of different other funds, and actually last year appointed a deputy CIO, Jeffrey Sherman, who runs a few of their funds, including Danny One, that's that takes some of the strategies of Smart Beta, the Cape, the Schiller Cape Fund at Double Line as well. So they've become a bigger shop, but still comparatively to those out there like a Pimco um, or even uh, a Guggenheim, they're a smaller shop. They run about 110 billion right now, while that's a record for them. When you put it up against a Vanguard or a BlackRock, it's a smaller firm.
3: And so it sounds like Gunlock wants to become perhaps even smaller or, or perhaps make some of his larger strategies, wind some of those down. Describe exactly what, what Gunlock here has been talking about, what he wants to do going forward.
2: So what he talked a lot yesterday in our interview with him, which was about over an hour from his, uh, on the phone from his office in Los Angeles was how he sees double line staying a firm that is, you know, around the 100 billion to 150 billion range that he basically said, I don't want to to manage five hundred billion. I don't even think I want to manage two hundred billion. And so that's different than a lot of the people we see out there, a lot of the passive investing firm, passive indexing firms like the BlackRock's Vanguard, yeah, they're in the trillions of dollars and trying to use scale and fee cuts to grow even bigger and bigger and bigger. What Gunlock is saying is that we don't have any plans to do dramatic fee cuts. Um, what we're really gonna try to do is stay a certain size that we feel we can really take opportunities in the market that once you get so big, you may not be able to do.
3: Explain some of those capacity issues, because that's something I've always been curious about. Why is it when you get so big that it's difficult to take certain investments?
2: In part, I think it's because in some cases you have to put a lot of money to work, right? With a trade, you have to have such a... Big trade that you put on, and as because there's not necessarily a ton of littler ones that you can do. So when you're going in, you're trying to find opportunities that you can throw a lot of money at. But when you're smaller, you're a bit able to be a bit more nimble and opportunistic. So it is interesting. Well, he's not arguing
0: to be small. I mean,
2: true, true smaller absolutely. than
0: the biggest in the ever in the history of time. He's arguing that he doesn't want to be that. But I, I guess my question about that is: Does he really want to be, or is there something about today's market? that makes him want to make this decision now or just about size in general
2: Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, I think in in one way, it's a logistical thing as well. You know, he's saying, I don't necessarily want to grow so that then I have to have a thousand employees versus the about 200 that I have now. Unlike a lot of managers, he doesn't necessarily want to have offices all around the world, he said, because he doesn't necessarily feel that then he'd be able to have control or really know what's going on. So that's a different personality. You know, some people are really like the way of the future is to be global. Let's open offices in Mumbai and London and Dubai. And he's more like, ah, I mean, that makes me a little bit more anxious because I want to make sure I understand what's happening in the in the places that my client's money is being managed from. So I think that's happening. But also we have seen net inflows into double lines slow somewhat. They had tremendous growth coming out of the gate once he left t- TCW and started double line. But we are seeing, um, you know, a slowing, a plateauing of some of the net inflows. So some of it may be timing to that as well. Did he give any uh, sense of nervousness about where markets are right now? He definitely did. He basically said one of his strongest and clearest comments in the interview was he really thinks that people should be gradually heading towards the exit. So he doesn't see a recession coming in the next six months, but what he does see is a lot of areas from junk bonds to maybe emerging markets being overvalued, including stocks. And doesn't see a huge risk in trimming, right? That was one of his other big points. You know, don't go to zero, but what they've been doing at Double Line is, is starting to trim off some of the risk because he doesn't see a huge downside to that. You know, if you trim a little bit and the mark goes up even more, you're still up. So that was one of the things that he really forcefully said. He thought it was really time for people to start gradually taking risk off the table.
0: Um, it's also interesting here to make the call. I guess I guess you've got to make the call. To limit uh, new new money coming in, if you're going to say pull some money out,
2: that's a good point too. Yes, Corey. in in, in terms of almost managing investors' expectations, right. somewhat. Well, it's more like yeah.
0: I, I always think. With the, I had one uh, big bank strategist at, at a very big bank say to me once, "Look, all the guys in my job, at some point, you've got to realize you've got hundreds of brokers on the phone calling people saying they got to buy stocks. The guy at the top can't be selling. Don't can't be saying." don't buy stocks and so they have this they have this internal bias now they might hire people who believe that but they're not going to hire a pessimist.
2: Yes, that's interesting. So, yeah, he was kind of riding that middle ground between the optimism that we've seen, bullishness from the Trump bump, and then kind of the pessimism of, oh, it's all going to crash at once, which obviously, as, as you said, Corey, could be a, a message to his investors as well. Like, get ready, I'm going to start to move some money off the table, and we might give up some performance for a little while, but I think it's for the benefit of the long term.
3: Now, it's interesting because a lot of investors will say they see volatility ahead, but Gunlock sounds like he's actually acting on it. So, pretty quickly here, what are some of the steps he's taking in terms of bets that volatility might increase?
2: Yes, he said that's his highest conviction of trade that he thinks volatility will increase, and he has, um, bought some put options, um, recently, July and December and March, where he's basically saying if you got some put options on the S&P and volatility goes up, he could stand to make a lot of money. But he also did say that that's a riskier strategy.
0: Fascinating stuff. Uh, Peggy Collins, our investing team leader here at Bloomberg News. Uh, interesting stuff. Uh, you see, last yesterday, Dave Wilson came and we began a discussion of the best guitar players in history of rock and roll. So we go Keith Richards. Now we got some George Harrison. The argument uh, just never stops. It's great stuff. Thank you very much. Some Bloomberg Markets on Bloomberg Radio.